0: Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I've spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, He told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Michelle Syler tucker you are the founder and president of Seiler-Tucker, found on the web at SeilerTucker.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So Michelle, I'm dying to know at a very high level, what services are provided by Seiler-Tucker?
1: Um, Lots of services. (laughs) First and foremost, we specialize in mergers and acquisitions. I've been in this industry a little over 20 years. I Personally, have sold over 500 businesses. And altogether, my firm has sold a little over a thousand companies in pretty much every vertical you can think of. So we specialize in selling businesses, but we also specialize in buying businesses, flipping them. I specialize in partnering with business owners and helping them really grow their business. And put them on a build to sell, so they can, they too can exit rich. And um, so we really specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing companies. So we have the services we provide is we help buyers acquire wealth through acquisitions. We help sellers sell their business. We help sellers um, on the road to exit rich. We have a a mentorship program, and that's really the services we provide. I own multiple different businesses in different. Uh, areas. I partner with business owners, investing my money, my time, resources, core competencies, and help, you know, exit their business in three to five years.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I know before we started actually hitting record on this, you very simply said, I just like to educate and I like to share this information (laughs) with other people. And I love just being able to learn and be able to ask questions. And um, I think, a lot of the stuff I've done in the past is just learning from other people and then passing that on and connecting people. So I'm excited to uh, just be able to sit here and and be able to chat with you for a few minutes. So thank you for your willingness to teach
1: and to take time to do this. Thank you. Um, I I know. I just love to teach. I love to educate. It's so funny because I go on so many different podcasts. They're like, well, tell me your whole life story. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I want to (laughs) educate.
0: So I guess, so here we go. So talking about education, you know, you share that you help fix, grow, buy, and sell businesses. And you've also shared, I've seen in your other work, that you can never grow a business without growing an owner. And can you tell me more about that importance of owners growing with the business or stagnation is probably going to take place?
1: Yeah, I always say that you can never grow a business beyond what you grow the owner. Yeah. Yeah. The owner has to grow. They have to grow their mindset. Have you ever watched The Profit on CNBC by Marcus Limonis? Yes. Right? And how many times does Marcus Limonis tell them exactly what they need to do? He gives them a step-by-step blueprint. He says, okay, I'll be back in two weeks. They change the name. They change the logo. They change the paint color on the wall. He comes back and they put it all back (laughs) to what it was before. They put the name back up. They put the logo back up. Because he hasn't spent the time to grow the owner. A lot of the times I always say fish stinks from the head. Yeah. And the entrepreneur, the owner is typically the bottleneck. And I have partners that I keep trying to grow, you know, grow the business for you. Can't grow the business beyond what you can grow them. I have partners that will tell you that, gosh, I thought so much differently when I first partnered with Michelle than the way I think today. Yeah. So I bought them to different conferences. I bought them to Tony Robbins. I bought them to different mindset conferences in which to really grow their mindset because if not, they're stuck. Yeah. And they will continue to be stuck and the business will never grow beyond them. Does that make sense? It does. So how Unless often- I can pull them out and put somebody else in. <laughs> <laughs> but if I have to keep them in because they're my partners and they're owners, then I have to grow them in order to grow the business. How
0: often are you having to kind of walk away? Because you probably have your intuition when you're like, I really want to help you. But just like you just referenced, they're just going to put the whole company sign back up and this is not going to work.
1: Yeah. So now I don't like to walk away because, you know, I don't like to quit. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, So now I've just became much more particular in who I partner with and really get to know them better ahead of time. Because, you know, you really have to get, it's, it's kind of like a marriage, right? You know, we got to, I got to get to know who are you? What is their baggage? What are they carrying around? You know, what, because we get stuck in our past and we make decisions based upon past experiences, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So
1: it's really, you know, now I'm, I'm very careful and very cautious to partner with business owners, especially if they're going to stay in charge if they're not going to stay in charge and we can pick the management team, then that's a little bit different, but they're going to stay in charge and I'm much more careful on who I partner with on who I marry.
0: I love it. Yeah. You don't want to enter a marriage um, without a willing partner. So uh, definitely a lesson learned, I'm sure. Right. Um, so you talk about mindsets and I've, I was just speaking with somebody yesterday about mindsets and the importance of it. And I feel like it's becoming more and more of a popular conversation, the importance of the mindsets that we're bringing to the table. And you talk about having a good mindset to achieve success. What kind of practices do you suggest to your marriage partners here or your business partners um, to maintain that proper mindset in order to continue that success?
1: You know, I've seen business owners... Um, and I gotta be careful because they probably listen to the show. so I gotta be very careful. <laughs> <laughs> But I've seen business owners just self sabotage. You know, like for instance, let's say they've always had a problem with employee turnover. And their mindset is nobody can do it as good as them. And their mindset is they're gonna mess it up. Well, if that's your mindset, then you're going to continue. To go through employees until you adopt a new mindset. You agree?
0: Totally agree. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, practices, you know, for me, um, well, what I try to do is get business owners to read, to go to different conferences, read different types of books, you know, um, Think and Grow Rich, um, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Tony Robbins. I mean, there's just all kinds of different mindset influencers out there, great business entrepreneur books that I try to get business owners to read. And I try to get business owners to really realize when they get stuck in that paradigm, you know, Mm. Bob Proctor is another good one to listen to. But when I get stuck in that paradigm of, of beating up the employee, because they're trying to fix something in their past. (laughs) Yeah, that you know, that they still have issues with. Am I making sense? I don't want to go too deep here, but.
0: No, it's, it's that subconscious that continues to bubble right. up and impact our decisions.
1: Right. So I try to get them to like, to listen to Bob Proctor, listen to Tony Robbins, listen to different people like that and focus on the results and also hire somebody else because if that's not your strength, hire somebody else to manage the employees. If you can't figure out how to change your mindset, if you can't figure out how to change your paradigm, then get somebody else to manage those employees.
0: Yeah. And almost step to the side and allow that, that other skill set come to the table right. and, and take care of that and still allow you to be involved, but know that you're going to have a greater impact by letting someone else lead those employees and allowing you just to kind of create
1: some right. space. So. And then sometimes it's very important to fo- try to focus on the results. Yeah. You know, instead of focusing on the person.
0: Yeah. That, and it, it, it takes the focus off the individual and, um, thinks more of a whole and like makes it less personalized and just more of a a very clean, um, transaction in a way, you know, it's, it's not personal. It's not about a personality. It's just about a goal. So Mm -hmm. I think that's important. And you've listed many authors that I have read and, and have loved over the years. So, um, I think, I think we have a similar mindset when it comes to personal development. It's good to hear. So, um, you know, you offer a ton of resources, Michelle, on your website, and one of them is the list of 10 mistakes that, you, that people make when they prepare to sell their business. Do you have maybe one or two that you see people continuously mistake, making this mistake over and over again? And why do you think they keep doing this?
1: So, you know, if we listen to Steve Forbes and what Steve Forbes says, and Steve Forbes endorsed my book, Exit Rich, Steve Forbes says 80% of businesses on the market will never sell. There's another resource that says 90%, but I'm going to listen to Steve Forbes. (laughs) (laughs) And this should be a big wake-up call for business owners because this means you have less than a 20% 20 chance of success. That's not very good statistics. And the number one reason for that, the number one mistake that business owners make is they don't think about their exit. They don't plan their exit. They don't think about selling until a catastrophic event occurs, whether that's internal or external. Internal is health issues, partners um, disputes, divorce, death. External is this pandemic that we've been living in for the last year and a half. And the worst time to sell your business is during a catastrophe because your business is typically trending downward and not doing well. You know, I have business owners that will call me and say, Michelle, I got to sell my business. You know, I was just diagnosed with cancer oh my gosh, you know, oh, I need to sell for $20 million because I got to set my family up for success. And maybe the business is worth a million. So the biggest mistake that business owners make is they don't plan or exit. I always tell all of my clients, start with the end in mind. Like Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. And the other big mistake is business owners don't build a business that buyers actually want to buy because most business owners have built themselves a glorified job, and what should go to work at every day versus a business that actually works for them. Business owners also are not building a business. They're building, like I said, a job. They don't have people. The business is a thousand percent dependent upon them. The business is not running on all six cylinders of what we talk about in my book, Exit Rich, all six P's. You got to build that solid infrastructure where your business is running on all six P's. Can
0: you talk about the six P's? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So first and foremost, most business owners are working in their business, not on their business. And a lot of business owners, back to mindset, have that mindset that if I want it done right, I have to do it myself. And that can't be further from the truth. I mean, you can't do everything in your business and expect that it's ever going to be sustainable, scalable, and even sellable. Right. So- Business owners have to, you never grow unless you let go of the control. Business owners really need to identify what their strengths are because we're not good at everything. Identify our strengths, identify our weaknesses, put the right people in the right seat and ask the who question. Who opens the doors? Who handles customer service? Who handles marketing, legal, accounting, manufacturing, distribution, quality control? The list goes on and on. The clue here, Catherine, is to try to build a business that will run without you.
0: That's that should be the ultimate goal. It
1: should. And, but it, but it's not like I had a dentist that just came to me, been in business 50 years. One dentist, three dental hygienist, the three dental hygienists are his daughters. Mm-hmm. And he asked me if I could sell the business. I said, yes, I can, because I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> However, I'm not going to be able to maximize value yeah. and the contingency language in, in, The contract is going to be contingent upon you and your daughter staying on. And he said, well, honey, we're not staying. I said, well, then honey, you're not selling, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So that's what happens with 90% of the businesses is that the business is 1000% dependent upon that owner or owners. And you pull them out of the business, there is no business. So we got to get business owners out of the mindset of having to control everything. We got to get them out of the mindset of working in their business and we got to get them working on their business.
0: It has got to help the stress level at some point once you well, can step away from
1: the job and just own the business. It does. You don't build a business, you build people, and people build the business. Yeah. And it does help the stress level. I mean, we go in the business to have more freedom, <laughs> to have a better quality of life, you know, to have financial freedom. I have clients that come to me and say, I've been in business 19 years, can't take a vacation. <laughs> or I can't go see my kids play soccer, you know, because I'm married to my business. I'm always working in the business. Yeah. And so we're really trying to get business owners to actually build a business and get away from the job mentality and actually build a business. So people's number one, product is number two. And product is your product, your service, your industry. And the reason why this is so imperative It's because um, when I wrote my very first book, called "Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth," in 2013, I did the research and learned that 90% of all startups within the first one to five years will go out of business, right? Mm -hmm. But that's pretty much common knowledge; everybody knows that. But when I did the research for Exit Rich, I was flabbergasted to learn that the business landscape has actually flip flopped. Now it's not about
0: that, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: It's not startups that are a great risk anymore, which is great news for startup nation. (laughs) However, let me just put it in perspective for you. There's 30.2 million businesses in the United States employing over half the U.S. workforce. Small business is the backbone of our economy. We lose small business, we lose jobs. You lose jobs, what happens? You lose spending power and more businesses close. So out of 27.6 million companies, remember there's only 30.2, out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses have been in business 10 years or longer. 70% of them are going out of business, seven zero. Now you hear about the public companies all the time in the media, you know, the media talks about Toys R Us and business 75 years goes out of business. Style Pier one. Disney store just closed all their locations. I was devastated. I took my daughter to Disney store to buy a, a Disney princess dress and did not realize that they went out of business. But what mm. the media doesn't talk about are all the private businesses on every street corner, these businesses in every street corner in every town in every state across the United States. These businesses, these business owners are not exiting rich. They're exiting poor. They're selling mm. for pennies on the dollar, closing their business or even worse, filing bankruptcy. How sad is that? We spend our heart, our soul, our energy, we, you know, we invest everything into our company. And we make huge sacrifices along the way to end up broke. And so the number one reason why it's flip-flopped is because business owners stop doing what I call AIM, A-I-M. AIM is always innovate and market. They stop innovating. They stop marketing. And... If you look at Toys R Us, they really did nothing new for 75 years. Yeah. And businesses have, have um, stages just like humans do. If you look at Blockbuster, Blockbuster had the chance to innovate. Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix. They sat back and did nothing. So lack of innovation, lack of marketing. And so many business owners are like, I'm going to do it the way I've always done it. It's worked for me. I'm going to continue to do it this way. Well, here's the bottom line. Consumers are not loyal. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Consumers are not loyal. And Amazon, you know, whoever makes it easiest for the consumer to purchase products and services is the company that's winning. Amazon is winning because they make it so easy. You can practically buy a horse on Amazon and have it delivered in two days. So they make it so easy. And this pandemic has also changed the way that consumers purchase products and services. So you have to constantly innovate. You're either growing or dying. There's no in-between. So you have to ask yourself, Amazon did this back in the 90s. Here we go with mindset again. Ask yourself, what business are you in? Amazon said, we're in a book fulfillment business. We fulfill book orders. Number two, what's your secret sauce? What do you do better than everybody else? What's your USP, your unique selling proposition? Amazon said, we do fulfillment better than everyone else all around the world. The number three obvious question Is what business should we be in? Should. And Amazon said we should be in the fulfillment business, fulfilling products for everyone all around the world, (laughs) not just books. Those three questions transformed Amazon from a small book fulfillment center to the multi-billion dollar worldwide, worldwide conglomerate that they are today. And here's the bottom line. Jeff Bezos doesn't stop. He's still innovating. They acquired Whole Foods. They acquired um, they're in the movie business. Now they're going to space. (laughs) He's still innovating. You know? And so you got to ask yourself, is, is your product, your service on the way up? Are you do you have an Amazon and you're in your prime? If so, that's when you sell. Or do you have a blockbuster and you're about to go out of business? And you really have to get an outsider's perspective to help you see what you're clearly not seeing. And really ask those questions to help you transform your business. Also, you you have to have multiple revenue streams, congruent revenue streams. You know that's why so many restaurants went out of business during this pandemic because they have one way they get paid. They don't have an e-commerce business. They don't have a product business. They're not selling to retail. You have to have congruent revenue streams. So that's product. Then the third P is. What most entrepreneurs hate is processes. <laughs>
0: if it's you can of, get those
1: down, you can save some money. Absolutely. And, and processes is kind of like exit strategy. Business owners you know, don't want to put together a process until something bad in their company happens. They're like, oh, we need a process for that. Yeah. And most owners get this wrong. Most owners design their processes around their own agenda, especially when it's a lifestyle business. I mean, look at doctor's offices. What are their hours?
0: Oh, they're early in the morning so they can have the rest of the day off. That's right. The ones I've seen, and they have long weekends.
1: Yep. Usually Monday through Thursday, a lot of them, mm-hmm. and, or Tuesday through Thursday. Right. And it's like 9 to 2 or 9 to 3 when we're all working. They didn't design their processes around their patient's experience. They designed it around their own agenda. My husband and I own multidisciplinary clinics. And we have evening hours and weekend hours because we think about our patients and we think about that customer experience. Yeah. It's kind of like, did you ever watch the movie, The Founder?
0: No, not yet. You've got you watch it, it, I'll, I'll have, have to watch it.
1: Ever? It's based upon the McDonald's brothers and Ray I have Scott. seen it. Yes, you it seen is it.
0: excellent. Yeah, when you said McDonald's, then yes, it is excellent. Yeah, so
1: in 1950, McDonald brothers said, we want to build a fast food restaurant because there isn't one. Mm-hmm. And we're going to design fast food process systems around our customer experience. We want our customers to experience three things. Number one, great tasting food that's hot, fast, 30 seconds or less. And guess what? All these years later, you can eat at a McDonald's anywhere in the world and get the same experience. They never yeah. said it's going to be healthy. <laughs> they never <laughs> said it's going to be great customer service because most their customer service is not good, <laughs> you know? And so we have to really look at our clients and say, gosh, what are the three things that we want our customers to experience and design our processes around that, right? And Because if you don't create wow experiences for your, for your clients, then you're going to lose market share because your competitors will be happy to do it for you. You have to document these processes. You need to have SOP checklists. You need to have the employee handbooks and the non-competes. It's one of the first things buyers ask for. The fourth P is proprietary. Now, Proprietary takes me the longest to explain. The other two are really quick. Proprietary is your number one value driver. Let me give you a crash course in valuations. Now you have a finance background, right? A little, yeah, in banking. So, crash course um, in valuations. If you have a business under a million dollars in EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, other than the SaaS industry, I don't want SaaS companies beating me up, other than the SaaS industry, most industries will trade for a multiple of anywhere from one, three, three and a half. When the EBIT is over a million, then we typically start at five and go up. These proprietary synergies and assets can take you from a four to five to an eight to 10. So proprietary okay. is the number one value driver. There's six pillars to proprietary. Number one is branding. The more well-branded you are, the more I can sell your company for, as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumer. Is anybody paying any money for Blockbuster? No. They're not now. Not now. What's the most valuable brand in the world? You know, that's a great
0: question. What is it? Starts with an A. Amazon.
1: Apple, the LRA. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon's in the top 10. It's the LRA. Apple is worth $359 billion for just the brand. That does not include the real estate, the inventory, the cash flow, or anything else that counts receivables. That is just a brand $359 billion. So build your brand. Trademarks are huge. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weave in some of the top 10 mistakes that business owners make here. One of the business, biggest mistakes that business owners make is they're like, Okay, they think of a name, they go to GoDaddy and go, yes, I got the dot-com. <laughs> and then they'll go to their state and register it. But do they ever check the federal database? No. No. What's Most the name people, of the database? The, they got to go check the federal database federal, to make mm-hmm. to see if they can get that trademark. It's USTOP. Mm-hmm. I think it's USTOP. Um, but they got to make sure they get that federal trademark because I've seen my clients in business four or five, six years, and all of a sudden receive this assist letter and they have to stop using that company name or they got to spend a lot of money to go fight it. Okay. Spend the $1,500 and get the federal trademark, not just on your company name, but your logo, your slogan, your podcast, your products. Everybody forgets to trademark their products. We have a company we're selling between 60 to 70 million dollars. They have 12 different products. Each product is exclusive to a retail chain store. One's exclusive to Walmart, one's in Target, one's in TJ Maxx. They have a federal trademark for each one of their products. Very important. The other thing is patents. Do you watch Shark Tank? Yeah. It's fun. Every single shark sounds like a broken record. Do you have a patent on that? Do you have a patent pending? Do you have a utility patent? <laughs> we once <laughs> sold a company for $18 million. It wasn't making any money, but they had 18 patents. So patents are very valuable. You want to hold your IP in a separate corporation.
0: Talk about that.
1: Well, if you have an LLC and you get sued for whatever reason and your IP is there, you are at risk for losing that IP. So you want to make sure you have your IP in a separate corporation. If you have real estate, you want it in a separate corporation. You want to make sure that you have that corporate vow, you know, and protect your assets, especially your intellectual property. Contracts are big. Manufacturing contracts, distribution, um, vendor contracts, franchise, or contracts as franchisees. Client contracts are extremely valuable, especially the ones that have subscription models with reoccurring revenue. A lot of my marketing companies and e-commerce businesses have reoccurring subscription models. Now, here's the mistake the business owners make with contracts. In the United States, 98% of all sales are asset sales, not stock sales. Okay. I have never met a business owner in the last 20 years, over a thousand transactions, that actually gets this right. Never. <laughs> You need the transferability clause in your contract that says this contract is transferable upon a new entity. Because if a buyer doesn't agree to a stock sell and you go to your clients to get a consent to transfer sign before the closing and they don't agree to do that, your deal is going to fall apart. Plus, do you really want to go to your clients and get them to sign a consent to transfer because now they know you're selling your business and what if the deal falls apart? Plus... What if you got 2,000 clients? (laughs) We're dealing with a company right now that's got 2,000 contracts. No transferability clause. Hmm. So you got to have that transferability clause. Make sense? Absolutely. And then databases are huge. Facebook paid $19 billion for for WhatsApp. How much money was WhatsApp making? I don't know. Zero. They were hemorrhaging. Yeah. But they had a billion users. They had a billion users. TikTok just hit a billion users today. So they had a billion users, and Facebook knew they could all lie and they can monetize on that. So Facebook paid $19 billion. Content is huge celebrity endorsements, radio personalities. We have a client that has products with Oprah. Centered, there's five different types of buyers. Synergistic buyers will pay a lot of money for that because they want their products in front of the queen of everything. Same thing with radio personalities. These celebrity endorsements and radio personalities can only endorse one vertical because they lose credibility. Cindy Crawford only only endorses one furniture line, Rooms to Go. Jennifer Aniston's face is only on Avino, <laughs> you know. And so we have clients that have prime real estate on different radio shows with celebrity hosts. Nobody else can bump you off of that spot. That's what we call digital real estate. Strategists and competitors will pay a lot of money for that. Content is huge too. Any type of content, video content, written content. Here's another mistake the business owners make. They hire 1099s. They hire interns. Interns create the content they never had the intern to sign off that that owner actually owns the content. Mm. There's been a lot of lawsuits over content. So build up your assets, you know, build up your proprietary, build up your database, get those patents, get those trademarks, get those contracts. The next P is patrons. This is your customer base. Most businesses follow the 80-20 rule where 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of their clients. Customer concentration, it is deadly (laughs) when we go to sell your company. We're selling a business right now for 55 million and we've been through hundreds of buyers, but they have customer concentration of 70%. And most buyers are are very nervous about that. Uh, We were selling a media company. They only have five clients, we're selling them for 15 million. They lost two clients in the process. The reason they only have five clients is because they cater to casinos, large casinos. They lost, they lost two clients, two casinos. The revenues dropped in half. They're even dropped in half. So you want to make sure you have customer diversification not customer concentration. You always have to pay attention to this. And a lot of businesses lose market share because their clients are aging out and they haven't innovated and marketed to go after the newer generation. The last P, the most important P to all your listeners is profits. We're all in business to make money. But lack of profits is never the problem. Lack of profits is a symptom of not operating on one of the other five P's. I have clients that come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, you have a people problem. No, Mm -hmm. you have a process issue. So if you're operating on all five P's, you're going to be profitable. But the truth is most businesses run on two to three. So true
0: as you go into these businesses and you, you know, I've spent a number of years just sitting with people. And and when I was on the banking side, following the check and seeing who talks to who within the building and how they're managing that, that flow of money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's a lot of processes that, that should be documented, that should be duplicated, that should be cross-trained. I've seen that numerous times. Um, and the communication of, of just the people within, um, the different teams, there's always an opportunity to improve that, even on the strong team, just to um, strengthen the communications within the team and then across the company as a whole. But when you list those six P's as clearly and as carefully as you have, when you get those five right, you do get the profit at the end of the day. Um, It's pretty much
1: proof. (laughs) Yeah. I challenge anybody. I challenge anybody to operate their business on five Ps and come to me and tell me you're not profitable. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's as easy as that. Yeah. This is this has been great. This has almost been, um, I would say, a mini class in, uh, in business startup because this is the stuff that you should be talking about when you're starting the business and not when you're selling the business.
1: But here's the bottom line. The reason why it's not just business startup is because most business owners haven't built any of this. Yeah. That's why 80% of businesses don't sell. And that's why 70% of businesses are going out of business because existing businesses are still running like a job, not a company.
0: It's a scary thought.
1: (laughs) It is a scary (laughs)
0: thought. You have um, a plethora of resources and added value on your website. Do you mind sharing some of that information um, just at a high level if people want to dig deeper into this?
1: Sure, my website is sadlertucker.com. And there you can go find information about acquiring businesses, find information about selling businesses, find out information about how we partner with business owners, how you can hire me to speak if you have an event coming up. <laughs> and then we also have my book, Exit Rich. Uh, Exit Rich was endorsed by Steve Forbes. And Steve Forbes says, Exit Rich is a gold mine because most entrepreneurs leave way too much money on the table. And you probably know my co-author, Sharon Lecter, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. And so she's my co-author. She's a CPA, financial literacy expert. She writes the Mentor's Corner after each chapter. And then Kevin Harrington wrote the foreword as well to Exit Rich. So Exit Rich, what is, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller, USA Today bestseller, made several categories in Amazon. And um, you can buy Exit Rich at Amazon, especially if you live outside the United States, go to Amazon because the shipping cost has gone, it's, it's so expensive now. Um, if you live inside the United States, you can buy it at your favorite bookstore, you can buy it on Amazon, but I encourage you to go to exitrichbook.com, which is our website, because that's where we're giving away more value. So for $24.79 plus shipping, we will email you the digital download, send the hardcover to your doorstep, give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club. Here we're doing video training, We're teaching about different strategies and techniques that I've been teaching in the trenches for the last 20 years, not on startups, on existing businesses. Plus we have documents, documents to operate your business and sell your business, employee handbooks, policy and procedure manuals to sell your business, sample a lot of intents. Most business owners have never seen a lot of intent. Purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing docs, all the documents you need to operate and sell your business are there. And it would literally cost you over $50,000 if you went to recreate. I know because I've spent the money. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we're also offering a free membership in the club CEOs, which is an entrepreneurship mastermind, where we really ask those transformational questions and help business owners build that sustainable, scalable, and when they're ready, sellable business.
0: That's wonderful. What else have I not asked you that you need to include? right now? Is there anything
1: else? Um, You know, I would say get exit rich and really follow the GPS exit model. The GPS exit model is really something that every business owner should follow because it sets you up for success. You don't want to wake up one day and say, I have to sell this business because you want to wake up one day and say, I built a $20 million business. Now I'm ready to sell. Here's my types of buyers. Here's how I built this business. Based upon their buying criteria, and I've built all the synergies that these buyers are looking for. This is going to get me top, this is going to create a bidding war on my business and get me top dollar. So this is a GPS exit model where we really help business owners determine what is their destination. What do they want to sell their business for? Because business owners don't plan to fail, they fail the plan. Most business owners don't have a destination. And if they want to sell for $20 million, they never built a $20 million company. So it's really imperative to to get extra rich and follow that GPS exit model and know what your business is worth today. Your business is your most valuable asset. Most business owners have never, ever had their business evaluated. You should have an annual valuation checkup because there are events that increase valuation or events that decrease valuation. And every year you need to know what your most valuable possession is worth.
0: This has been wonderful. Michelle, thank you. Thank you. Um, Michelle... Um, Siler Tucker, you are the founder and president of Siler Tucker found on the web at SilerTucker.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and for sharing all of this wonderful information.
1: Thank you for having me, Catherine.
0: My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.